Hey everyone, it's Siobhan, and if you listened to the intro already, you know I am the founder of The Creative Outsiders, and this is our podcast, and we want to continue to connect the dots for storytellers. And if you've been following us for the past three years, you know the routine is usually I ask questions of other filmmakers in their journey to kind of encourage and propel you to keep going and to give you the blueprint because as you know filmmaking isn't necessarily like one two three these are the steps you need to take and um, today I wanted to do something a little bit different just because I keep getting this question and I got a creative idea a way to kind of explain it and walk us through this. So these will be random. I'm not going to say I'm going to do these a certain amount of times or you can check for it. It'll just happen as I get time. And it's really kind of time for y'all to get to like know me and uh, us to like walk together in this specific journey. So this is for people who are God guys or God girls and are filmmakers. But um, I wanted to just help the God guys and God girls, because I'm a God girl, with uh, our journey in filmmaking. Because the question that I always get or usually get is, how do I show my faith in my films if I'm not necessarily the person who is um, chosen or wants to take the path to like have Christian-based theme films? Um, and this is a question I even like kind of wrestled with because I was like, God, hey, you know, I'm not going to be the girl. I, well, I'm not going to say I'm not. But I know initially why I started filmmaking was not um, to create, you know, like Passion of the Christ or The Chosen. I, y'all, you have to go check out The Chosen. I started watching it. Um, those type of films where it's specifically mentioning God and it's nothing wrong with it. Because obviously I love the chosen so far. So um, this is kind of something that God, well, not kind of, but what God gave me. And um, I wanted to share it with you and give you perspective. Like, how do I integrate my faith into my storytelling? How do I express my values without beating people over the head? Um, and I wanted to go over this with you quick. I'm not going to have you on here too long. But I do recognize that as Christian creatives, whether we are specifically mentioning God or not, we have a responsibility to create um, from the agenda of God and not our own agenda. We have a responsibility to show the character of God through our storytelling. And God is merciful. God is faithful. And God is concerned about his kids. And he cares about what we care about. And we also have a responsibility to be creative and not basic and not copycats and not behind the curve. So I think that's something that a lot of people are fearful of. As I talk to some of my friends who are believers and um, don't necessarily tell uh, the films you may see specifically in church, you know, or plays. And it's nothing wrong with those. I don't want you to think that I'm saying no, no, no. Um, I think our fear is, you know, being like boxed in, you know? Okay, so let's go down to how do we implement our faith, our values into our storytelling. 
And I am going to do this by breaking down specific films. If you follow me specifically, not the creative outsiders, if you follow Siobhan Mitchell on Instagram, you will see that I actually did a snippet of it uh, in reference to Will Smith's uh, The Fresh Prince. So if you have time, like scroll and find that. But I'll probably do a breakdown of that, too. So today's breakdown is Home Alone 2. And I know you're like, Siobhan, this is not a Christian theme or base film. Exactly. But I'm going to show you how the Lord talks to your girl. So as I started watching Home Alone 2, and for those of you who have never watched it, where have you been? I'm judging. (laughs) Go watch the first one so you can get the gist of what I'm saying. But um, the opening starts with, you know, Kevin and his family getting ready to go and prepare to go away for Christmas. So the first movie, they, you know, go away for Christmas and they leave Kevin behind by mistake. Um, And he has to take on these robbers that are robbing houses in the neighborhood because they know people are leaving for Christmas and probably leaving their gifts behind, you know, just being shady. So we pick back up with movie number two, Home Alone number two. And Kevin um, is a typical like adolescent. I think he's like maybe 12. I don't know. We're going to make up his age. I believe he's 12. And um, he gets into it with his brother at at their Christmas play. And his brother is clearly older. I want to say he's a smooth 16. Um, So they're at their Christmas play and Kevin's brother like, just does the most and he like puts lights behind his ear as Kevin is singing just being the typical older brother um so Kevin realizes because everybody in the audience is laughing at him and he ends up pushing his brother and knocking everybody down so of course everybody is like mad at him um so then when he gets home his family wants him to apologize because the brother puts on a show and apologizes um but Kevin is like nah He's pretending and I ain't with it. So we get to this pivotal point at the beginning. Like this is the first nine minutes. And this also goes back into like just having a like compelling storytelling. Like have you drawn me in in the first like five minutes? Like they did a very good job of that, obviously. So Kevin is sent upstairs because he refuses to apologize. And his mother comes to like kind of reel him in. And Kevin bucks. (laughs) And you might hear me turning pages because I have notes, but Kevin whole bucks and he is like, no, he's not apologizing. No, he doesn't want to be downstairs with anyone. And if he had it his way, he would go on vacation without his family and have fun because he really doesn't want to be around them. Let's put a pause, a pin in this. Listen, if I was, if I had talked to my mother like this, Listen, it wouldn't have been no vacation for me. I'd have been sent to somebody else's house to chill until they came back. But, you know, just a little pin in it. So this is the first point where, like, I was like, wow, God, this is a principle that you tell us. Like in the Bible, in Proverbs eighteen twenty one, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Um, 
And that just like really resonated with me and like popped up in my mind as I was watching this because like Kevin is going to get his wish. Like he literally says like, I want to be able to go solo on vacation and y'all are nowhere near me and me live my best life and spend my money. Um, so that's one way that you can see, and it doesn't say anything about like Proverbs in that moment, but, and I'm not saying that the director of this is a believer or was a believer or the person who wrote it was a believer. That's not what I'm saying. But if your point of reference is, you know, your faith, you can interject like what God says in your characters without having to beat people over their head. It's the same way as when you come into a relationship or contact with people in your daily walk and you are like a representative of your belief in God and you don't have to open your mouth and say it. They should be able to see it by your fruit, you know? Um, so that's one of the things that stuck out. So let's, you know, fast forward a little bit. So they get up in the morning, um, mind you, back up. Kevin goes to bed mad. You know, mom goes on about her business because she's like, okay, you stay upstairs and get your life. So in the morning, they oversleep. So everybody's rushing. Everybody's doing their best to hurry up and get themselves together. And that's another thing that came to mind while it's important for us not to go to bed angry. There's a verse in the Bible that says that, like, you shouldn't go to bed angry. And it's funny because, like, I've been there before and I've clearly done it. But see, like, in the next morning, they don't have time to, like, rectify the beef or the issue or the concern that they had the previous night because they're rushing, like, literally trying to scramble to get out the house to make it to their trip to Florida and they live in Chicago. So the next scene, you know, they're rushing, they get in the van, make sure everybody's there. And then they get to the airport and they're literally having to run through the airport. But before they start running, Kevin is so preoccupied with getting batteries for his recorder um, that he disregards like his dad saying, just wait, I'll give you the batteries out of my bag when we get on the plane but Kevin is so stuck on making sure that he gets these batteries so his dad is like all right come on everybody else has already had taken off running Kevin stops in the middle of the airport he sees his dad his dad has on like a tan uh pea coat and he stops with takes his eyes off his dad and he starts to dig in the bag for the batteries um, so when he looks back up, he doesn't recognize that his dad, I believe, goes to like the left. And then this other man who has on the identical same jacket, um, takes off running and that's who Kevin sees. So Kevin starts following behind this man that looks like his dad and ends up on the wrong plane headed to New York. And, um, that just shows us like even how God is like. If we take his take our eyes off of him and we start following something that resembles God or resembles what we think he said, we would end up in the wrong destination. And that's what happens with Kevin. He ends up getting on the plane, headed to New York, um, and then 
getting in the place of where his enemies are. So before they even get on the plane, um, before they start running all crazy in the morning, there's a point in the scene that night where a newspaper flies on the door and it shows you that the robbers that attempted to rob his house before his parents' house, that they are loose, like they break free during a prison riot. And so that was really good foreshadowing as a filmmaker, but it also shows us like going back to like God and how you can interject your, your faith and your walk is like, God will give us warnings and he will give us signs. But like, if we're not in tune with him, we'll miss it. So I just thought that was really good foreshadowing as a storyteller that it shows like, we know that trouble is up ahead. And so did, so does like God in our real life. Um, but like the main character doesn't know because they're not aware because they haven't like talked to God or consulted him. So that was just a little tidbit. Um, so yeah, Kevin ends up exactly in the same place that his enemies are. And it's because he took his eyes off of his dad and started following somebody else. And that is the same way that like we can apply that literally to our lives as believers. And we see it in the Bible as well time and time again people who have taken their eyes off a of guide and follow somebody else and like literally have put themselves in the worst position and um you'll see go check out the movie and look at it with a fresh perspective um but how kevin goes is able to finagle his way into the hotel and start to live his best life and that's how it usually is we start to live our best life and we think like you know I'm good. Like Kevin got his dad's money. He got his credit card. He's ordering room service. He's in it to win it. So just to like wrap this up, um, and I am going to give you like another highlight before I do. Uh, one highlight I want to give you is, you know, if you watch the story, the pigeon lady, um, I don't know her name cause I don't know if we ever got her name, but the lady with all the birds on her, she, listen, I would have been scary carry of her too, but she's the person that like actually comes to the rescue of Kevin. Like she helps him. And, um, like a, originally Kevin was like not feeling her. He was running away from her like nah, sis. Um, but it just reminded me like, love your neighbors as yourself. Like you can still be kind to strangers, you know, within reason. So I just thought that was a good caveat. The person that Kevin didn't think would be the person help that would help him ended up being the person that did. Um, so the point is that as kids or followers of Christ, we are able to tell our story from the perspective of knowing who he is and his like character. So some responsibilities you have as a creative who is a follower of Christ is that you pray, you know, like that you consult God about your creativity because a lot of times we consult him after we're done creating like okay how do I put this out how do I win and then we have a responsibility to build a personal relationship with God um because if you don't know his character you can't weave him into your stories um you can't show how he's good you can't show how neighbors show up for one another 
if you don't know his character and if you're not also walking out the process yourself. Um, and you need to invite God into your process. Um, as I said in prayer, like he's the ultimate creator. He has so many creative ideas and we are so stuck at looking at other people and copying them instead of asking God to give us original ideas. And we need to make sure that we are telling a story of redemption. And that means like it's the natural character journey. Like you see the character face with this like issue. You go through the process. They become better. Excuse me. And then like they conquer the issue along with the other people who assist. That's the redemption story. Excuse me. And we see that in the Bible. And that provides hope. And hope opens people's hearts up to be receptive to goodness and to what God has for them. And um, we also need to make sure that we um, just are not boxed into what we think being somebody who is a follower of Christ and how we're going to communicate that in our stories. So I hope that little breakdown helped you. Um, I had so many other notes, but you know, I'm not going to do that to you because I try to stay under 15 and I'm smooth at like 17. So I'll be doing this ever so often. Let me know if you have questions. You can absolutely send me an email. Um, you can DM me on the creative outsiders, um, Instagram or my personal one and go look at the story. Like, Look at the stories that you've written or that you are planning to tell and see how you can like integrate redemption stories or how you can integrate uh, the character of God into your storytelling. So I hope this was helpful. Until next time, don't talk about it. Be about it. Go live your filmmaking dreams.